Blog Talk Radio. Spreading the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com Y'all bear with me. Oh, I almost passed. Did I pass it? Did I pass it? Welcome to Jesus in the Morning. I'm your host, Evangelist Barbara Pittman of Freedom Doors Ministries, and I come to you live each weekday morning. And today is October 31st, 2023. We thank God for 10 months and 31 days into this new year. And we're moving right into the month of November, the month of celebration, the month of thankfulness unto Almighty God, thanking him for all he has done for us this year. Yeah, that's what I use the month of November for, to give God thanks, to give him praise, to give him glory, and to give him honor. Yeah, and I have a large meal with my family, and I'm excited, and I'm happy. Hallelujah. So we thank God, and we're going to our next song of morning. And Sister Jerry, I'm going to dedicate this one to you this morning. When all foundations have been shaken When I'm left standing in the dark And all I feel is my heart breaking You still reign and you're still God And when it feels all hope is fading
trust the victory of your cross and fix my eyes upon you, Jesus. before her, but she know that she can trust his heart. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. We can trust the heart of God because he loves us. He knows his plans for us. He planned to bring us to an expected end, a good end. He don't have nothing evil planned for us. He don't have, he don't have nothing hidden from us. He told it all to us. That was a secret at one time. But God even revealed the secret. Yeah. Hallelujah. That his son, Jesus, is the word. The word was there from the beginning with him. And I'm just thankful for the word of God. Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We thank him this morning and... uh, We plan on having a wonderful, wonderful time in the spirit of the Lord this morning right here on Jesus in the Morning Radio Talk Show. And uh, I tell you this, I know God is faithful, and he's looking for some faithful people. I just had to give him praise right there, clap my hands to him, because he's looking for faithful servants. He's looking for someone who's going to talk of his wondrous works and make known his deeds among the people. That's what he's looking for this morning. And so if we can be faithful unto him, if we can lift him up, he will do the drawing. Yeah, unto him. Because no one can come again today except God draw them. And the harvest is plenteous again today, but the labors are few. And we pray that the Lord of the harvest will send more labors. But we want to remind him of the labor that he called or chose us for, or called and chose us for today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, this morning we have Dr. William H. Curtis, and uh, he will be sharing with us. And then I have a testimony I want to share 
But before we go into all of that, I want to play, uh, put God first this morning because we need to be reminded as often as possible, put God first. I know this life is busy. Uh, a lot of times we can laugh and just have a good time, but we must learn in everything to put God first. In our lives, he must be, get the first fruit of our day, the first fruit of everything. So we're thankful unto him. And one thing I know about him this morning, he's a God that will send what you need. If you need wisdom, he'll send wisdom your way. If you need understanding, he'll send understanding your way. Knowledge, he'll send it your way. We have not again today because we ask not. If we ask, he'll give. If we knock on his door, he'll open it. If we seek him, we'll find him. Hallelujah. But these things must take place daily so that we can stay with him, so that we can walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of our flesh. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He made a way for us, and we should take to the way that he made. Today, we all should remember Proverbs 3, chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. God have it all in control, but we must trust him. Hallelujah. Thankful unto him. So we're going to put God first. And uh, when we come back, we're coming back with our testimony of today. And then we'll go right into the message of the morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Did you know that whether you are fully aware or not, you have placed something first in your life? Have you ever stopped to consider what occupies that prime spot in your heart and whether or not it truly deserves that honor? Today... I want to urge you to put God first in your life. Let us delve into God's Word to truly understand the profound impact of making Him the center of our lives. I am also going to pray a powerful prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. Now consider this. Every decision, every action, and every thought reflects what we value most. The choices we make daily are a mirror to our soul's deepest desires and priorities. But, you know what? We should always ensure that we put God first in all that we do. When we truly place Him at the forefront of our lives, we experience a transformation so profound that our lives will never be the same. Today, I want to share with you nine essential truths to keep in mind as we seek to ensure that we've put God first in our lives. As we discuss these nine truths, I pray that each one will resonate deeply within you, guiding your path closer to God's heart. Remember, a life centered around God is not just rewarding. It's the very essence of true fulfillment in your life. Number one, understand the ultimate priority. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and all these things shall be added unto you. This isn't a mere statement. It's a profound truth. Every day, life presents us with an array of choices. It's like being at a grand buffet with so many dishes to pick from. What do you prioritize? The world offers temporary pleasures, wealth, fame, luxury, and all the material stuff you can think of. But what does God offer? God offers himself, which covers everything. When we prioritize God, we aren't merely adding him to our list. We are placing him at the top by aligning ourselves with God's purpose. Our entire perspective shifts. Life's challenges, rather than appearing as insurmountable obstacles, become lessons. They evolve into opportunities for growth and self-discovery. And you know what's interesting? When we place God first, everything else falls into place. It's like that void we once had. It's filled, that deep emptiness within us. Like there's something missing, it's gone. Because when we place God first, we begin to find fulfillment in His love and purpose. It's one thing for me to tell you, but my friends, experiencing it for yourself is another thing. It's life-changing in a tangible way. Once you place God first and feel that fulfillment personally, no one can sway your conviction, just like no one can persuade me otherwise, because I felt and seen the power of God at work in my own life and in the lives of others. And that's what makes the Daily Jesus devotional community so unique on this platform. We aren't here for superficial reasons. We are deeply committed to spreading the gospel and transforming lives because we've witnessed God's power firsthand. Our team members have all walked that path. And we invite you daily to join us on this life-changing journey towards a deeper connection with God and to live a victorious life. And here's something else to think about. Remember the story of Noah and the ark? God told Noah to build an enormous boat because a flood was coming. People laughed and thought Noah was silly, but Noah listened to God, put him first, and built the ark. When the flood came, Noah and his family were safe. Just like Noah, when we listen to God and put him first, we're protected and guided. Even when things get tough or confusing, having God as our top priority helps us stay strong, hopeful, and filled with peace. So, let's be like Noah and keep choosing God and putting him first. With God leading the way, our lives are always on the right track. Number two, there is the gravity of idolatry. As the book of Exodus warns us in chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. On the surface, this may sound straightforward. Most of us might say, I don't worship idols, so this doesn't apply to me. But let's dig deeper. Idolatry isn't just about bowing to statues. It's about what occupies the throne of our heart. Is it money? Career? Relationships? Social status? Oftentimes, without even realizing it, these things take God's place in our lives. 
Every time we prioritize our desires, our fears, or the world's approval over God's voice, we place something else in His rightful position. Sometimes it may be unintentional, but that still doesn't change the reality. It's therefore essential to regularly examine our hearts and realign our priorities. By recognizing and dethroning these idols in our lives, we clear a path for God to take His rightful place. Let's think about the story of Jonah for a moment. Most of us are familiar with this story. Jonah tried to run from God's command, prioritizing his own feelings and fears over God's guidance. He ended up in the belly of a big fish. Yet, in that dark place, Jonah found clarity. He prayed and turned his heart back to God. And God, in his endless mercy, gave Jonah another chance. Just like Jonah, we too can find ourselves in tricky situations when we let other things take the place of God in our lives. But the beautiful thing is that God always gives us a way back. If we take a moment, refocus, and push aside the idols that have crept into our lives, we can begin to experience the joy and peace that comes from truly putting God first. Our God is faithful and full of mercy. After all, as Psalm 37 verse 4 reminds us, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. This Bible verse offers us a promise worth holding on to. Number three, know about the transformative power of divine guidance. Proverbs beautifully echoes this in chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. This isn't mere advice. It's a life principle. In our journey through life, we often come across crossroads, moments of uncertainty, and periods of darkness. We all do. It's in these moments that our human understanding feels woefully inadequate. But there's a promise awaiting us. We are promised of God's divine guidance. When we fully trust in God and acknowledge Him, He doesn't just enlighten our path. He leads us by the hand. This guidance isn't about merely avoiding pitfalls. It's about being directed towards a life of abundance and purpose. It's about embracing a journey where every turn, every twist, and every pause has divine intent behind it. Reflecting on the story of David and Goliath offers profound insight into divine guidance. As a young shepherd boy, David faced the towering giant, Goliath. By human understanding, David had no chance. He was not a trained soldier, and he did not have the size or strength of Goliath. But David wasn't relying on his own understanding. He trusted in the Lord. In the book of 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, with a simple sling and five smooth stones, he confronted the giant, saying, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. With God's guidance, David defeated Goliath and demonstrated that divine guidance and trust in the Lord could overcome even the most insurmountable challenges. This story encourages us to remember that when we trust in God's guidance, 
when we put God first, we can face our giants, no matter how big they seem. God is always ready to guide us, making our paths straight and leading us to victory. Number four, reordering our priorities is crucial. In Luke 10 verses 41 to 42, we find a lesson on priorities. When Jesus told Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. He was pointing out the essence of priorities. Life is bustling, filled with tasks, responsibilities and distractions. In the midst of this, it's easy to forget the most crucial aspect, our spiritual well-being. The dishes will always be there. The laundry will pile up again and the emails will keep coming. But the moments that we spend at the feet of Jesus, those are irreplaceable. It's a lesson for all of us. While we shouldn't neglect our chores and responsibilities, it's vital to ensure they don't overshadow our relationship with God. By regularly reordering our priorities, we ensure a balanced, fulfilling life where both spiritual and worldly responsibilities are harmoniously balanced. Taking a leaf from the book of Psalms, we are reminded in Psalm 46 verse 10, be still and know that I am God in our fast-paced world. Stillness is often overlooked, yet it's in these quiet moments that we can genuinely connect with God and hear his voice. Think of the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. After witnessing powerful events like fire and earthquake, God's voice came to him, not in the grand spectacles, but in a gentle whisper. This emphasizes the importance of quiet moments away from the clatter and clamor of daily life. By making time for God in our busy schedules, by being still and listening, we give him the space to speak to our hearts and guide us. This doesn't mean quitting our jobs or abandoning our chores. It means setting aside purposeful moments each day, even if it's just a few minutes to sit in his presence. And as we do, our priorities naturally find their rightful order with God at the center. Number five, the joy of a God-centered life. Psalm 16 verse 11 states, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How beautiful is that promise. The world offers pleasures. Yes, but they are temporary. They are like bursts of flavor that quickly fade away. God's joy, on the other hand, is eternal. It sustains, strengthens, and renews. A God-centered life is similar to dwelling in a perpetual spring. Even in the midst of challenges, there's an underlying current of joy. This joy isn't rooted in circumstances, but in a deep-seated relationship with the Creator. With God at the center, life becomes an exciting journey, filled with wonder adventure, and profound joy. Reflecting on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we see him proclaiming in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This purity of heart translates to a life free from the entanglements of worldly distractions and temptations. A heart devoted solely to God 
such a heart sees God, not just in grand miracles, but in everyday moments, the smile of a child, the beauty of a sunset, or the kindness of a stranger. A God-centered life brings clarity, like the clear waters of a still pond. Everything becomes a reflection of God's love and goodness. Every experience, good or bad, is an opportunity to draw closer to Him. And in this closeness, in this intimacy with the divine, we find the deepest and most enduring joy. It's a joy that goes beyond mere happiness. It's a joy that resonates in the depths of one's soul, regardless of what's happening around us. Number six, be confident about God's provision and promise. The promise in Philippians 4 verse 19 is a beacon of hope. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When we prioritize God, it doesn't mean forsaking our needs, desires, or dreams. Rather, it's entrusting them to someone who knows us better than we know ourselves. God's provision isn't about just fulfilling our needs. It's about exceeding them. It's not about giving us what we want, but what we truly need. Imagine a loving father looking at his child. He doesn't just provide for the child's basic needs, but delights in giving gifts, surprises, and blessings. That's how God views us. By placing him first, we tap into an infinite reservoir of blessings that flow from his throne. Number seven, know the outcome of a divided heart. James 1 verses 6 to 8 cautions. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Duality is a challenge. Trying to balance between God and the world creates instability, like trying to stand on two boats, drifting in opposite directions. By serving two masters, we become spiritually lukewarm, neither here nor there. But by giving God our undivided heart, we find solidity, stability, and purpose. Our choices become clear, our path becomes defined, and our destiny becomes aligned with His perfect will. Number 8. Understand Life's True Purpose Have you ever grappled with the whole thought of why you are here? Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 sums up the essence of our existence, and it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Amidst the noise of the world, it's easy to lose sight of our true purpose. Are we here just to live, earn, spend, and then fade away? Or is there a higher purpose to our lives, a divine calling? By honoring God and following His commandments, we align ourselves with this higher purpose. Life, then, isn't just about living. It's about thriving. It's about making a difference, touching lives, and leaving a legacy of faith, hope, and love. Embracing this truth brings clarity to our journey in life and adds meaning to every step we take. So remember, 
We are here to fear God and keep His commandments. And to do this, we have to put God first. Number 9. Know about the unmatched reward. Jesus made a profound promise in Mark 10, verses 29 to 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. Houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. So this isn't a transactional relationship. It's a covenant. When we prioritize God, the rewards aren't just spiritual. They manifest in our everyday lives. We will notice that blessings, favor, open doors, and divine connections become a part of our daily experiences. Above all, the promise of eternal life awaits us. It's an eternity, not just of existence, but of joy, love, and unparalleled communion with God. And does this mean that we won't ever face opposition, discrimination, or persecution because of our faith? No, it doesn't mean that either. Jesus consistently taught that following him might lead to suffering, and this scripture also underscores that message. However, amidst these challenges, when we put God first, we are also assured of victory through Christ, who strengthens and uplifts us in every trial. In other words, the enemy won't have the final say. God does. Let us look again at the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. After squandering his inheritance and living a life away from his father, the son decides to return home, expecting rebuke. He is instead met with an overwhelming embrace and celebration from his father. This story illustrates God's grace and the unmatched reward awaiting those who return to him. Just like the father who throws a grand celebration for his returned son, God celebrates each of us. The reward is not based on our worthiness, but on his boundless love. Know that every sacrifice made, every challenge faced in the name of faith, is recognized and rewarded by God. And beyond the material and tangible, there lies the profound peace and joy of knowing we are cherished and valued. The rewards God offers aren't just for a moment. They echo into eternity shaping our existence beyond this life. Now, in Revelation 3, verse 20, God extends an open invitation, saying, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. This isn't about a distant God up in the heavens. It's about a loving Father at our doorstep waiting to be invited in. It's up to us to make that choice, to open our hearts and let him reign supreme in our lives. Consider this. The beauty of the gospel lies in its power to transform. When we embrace these truths and place God at the pinnacle of our priorities, our lives experience a profound transformation. So if you believe that you have placed God first in your life, 
and there is no positive transformation. You need to do some introspection and ask for God's guidance. And always remember to be patient and trust God's timing. By making God our utmost priority, we move from merely going through the motions to living with purpose and intent. And those challenges we encounter, they evolve into opportunities for growth. As for the blessings, expect them to manifest as daily miracles in your life. The promise is clear. Put God first in your life and your life will undoubtedly never be the same. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, everlasting Father, almighty God. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end the creator of heaven and earth. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, I am grateful for your faithful promises, your amazing grace, your everlasting love, and your mercies that endures forevermore. Lord, I thank you for the gift of life. And I thank you for the many blessings you have given to me. Father, I humbly approach your throne of grace, acknowledging my sins, my mistakes, and my shortcomings. Forgive me of my trespasses, as I also forgive all those who have trespassed against me. Lord, forgive me for the times I've placed other things above you. For moments, I've let the pleasures of this world distract me from your eternal promises. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that every chain of idolatry and distraction in my life is broken, and I rebuke every spirit of confusion and worldly temptation that tries to pull me away from your presence by the authority of the blood of Jesus. I claim emotional, physical, and spiritual healing over every part of my being, I declare, in the name of Jesus, that the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead flows through my veins, revitalizing and renewing my spirit, mind, and body. Merciful Father, I pray for divine protection over my life and the life of my loved ones. Lord, I ask that you command your mighty angels to stand guard around us, shielding us from all harm or evil. Father, you are our provider, and I ask for your abundant blessings to overflow in our lives. May you guide our paths and draw us closer to you. Lord, help us to prioritize you above all things and experience the fullness of joy that only you can give. Father, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening. I thank you for each heart that is humbled before you right now. For those who are feeling lost, may you be their saving grace and guiding light. For those who are burdened, may your Holy Spirit be their comforter and grant them peace. For those struggling with their priorities, may you grant them the conviction to put you first and the discernment to choose what truly matters. And for those in need of your touch, May you bring them healing, 
vitality, and restoration. Heavenly Father, we come into agreement as a faith-filled community, and we thank you for the rewards and benefits you have promised us. In your word, we ask for the strength and wisdom to always seek your kingdom first, to reorder our priorities, and to embrace the joy and transformation that comes from your divine guidance. Lord, I thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, Amen. If you were blessed by this message, type the word Amen in the comment section below. I declare that all the blessings of this prayer are now upon you. In the name of Jesus, you can help us to reach more persons and spread the gospel. You can do this by sharing the video with a friend or family member who you know needs the blessing of this prayer and by clicking the like button. Also remember to subscribe to the channel for more videos that will bless your heart and uplift your spirit. We appreciate all those who support us. You're blessed.
Exodus chapter 24. And I want to read in your hearing verses 15 and 16. Exodus chapter 24, beginning with verse 15, and it reads like this. Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory and brilliance of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, God called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. Six cloudy days. You may be seated, even in the presence of the Lord. Moses and a little more than 70 of the elders of Israel have shared a meal in the aftermath of seeing God move gloriously in their midst. What verbal engagement, what excitement and energy must have been the content of the mealtime conversation? Reflecting in stunned amazement to have seen God actually move in their midst. In fact, it looked to them, the writer says, like God majestically standing on sapphire stone pavement, purposely arranged under the omnipotent feet of God. This privileged group, given a clear view of the very grandeur of God's presence, it really gets no better than this, particularly for a people whose history has been so painful and now whose future seems so bright. Moses, saturated in the busy work of scribing and building altars, offering sacrifices, preaching in the hearing of his people out of the Book of the Covenant, consecrating the people to protect the covenant they share with the God who has delivered them. Abruptly and now singularly, Moses is instructed to ascend yet further up the mountain because God has more he wants to share. More specifically, God wants to give Moses the tablets of stone that are going to shape and form Israel's ethics, laws, and relational dynamics. I cannot imagine the feeling of awe and wonder Moses must have felt that God wants to share his imagination regarding his people's future with me. Moses has to be thinking that. What a privilege that God wants to say anything to his people about anything. And Moses is summoned to ascend for this exchange. If any of, our, if any of us were Moses, the immediate thought has to be, let me move with haste and caress this meeting with urgency. Let me treat it as priority and make it the only focus of my human ambition. God wants to share something with me, and I want to avoid doing anything that might frustrate that meeting. Moses ascends to a spot where apparently he feels a sense of divine confirmation this is where I need to be, and I know immediately upon arriving to that spot, having done exactly as God commanded, these stones God wants to give me that will shape theology and praxis
for the people I lead will be given to me with haste. What a long way from a failed attempt at being a national liberator, murderer turned fugitive. Shepherd beckoned by the brilliance of a bush set on fire, and now here I am, summons to receive what God imagines for his people. Moses has postured himself to receive. And when he gets there, there's immediate confirmation. The Bible says a cloud covers the mountain. It's the settled and rested presence of the glory of God. Oh, God is here. He sent for me. I responded, and I must be in the right spot because having arrived to this spot resulted in the rested presence of the glory of God. I can't wait to hear what God has to share, to receive what God discloses on the stones so that I might then descend the mountain, reconnecting with the people who are anxious to hear what has been given to me. Look at how far... Moses has come, overcoming personal feelings of inadequacy that made him think himself disqualified from even being considered for this high honor of leading people to a land of promise. He has a whole lot to be grateful for, and now he's about to hear from God what God wants from and for his people. And then the subtle tension in the text. And I want to suggest this same tension is attached to all of us in professional ministry tonight. God summons Moses. He is very specific. I want to meet you. I want to give you the tablets of stone. I want to express my thoughts and share them with you. I want to meet you on the mountain in order to complete the exchange. And Moses gets there with haste only for verse 16 to say, for six days, the cloud covered the mountain. But on the seventh day, God spoke to Moses. Now there's a disconnect for me there. Because tonight, I confess, if Bishop Thomas called me late tonight and said in his prayer time that God spoke to him about something he needs to share with me, and I cancel all appointments tomorrow, wake up early, rush to meet him. What I do not expect is to have to sit in his presence for six days before he finally decides to tell me what he intends to share. I would think that my making him my priority would make him treat me with reciprocal urgency. I would think my obedience would be met with immediacy. If I rush to obediently respond to your summons, can you in like manner immediately respond to my passionate surrender? Moses knows God shows up because it happened in the preceding scene among he and the 70 plus elders, but now he sits for six cloudy days waiting for God to speak. And might I remind us, he did not call for the meeting. God did. And God knew exactly when Moses would arrive at the right spot for the meeting. Now, don't write me off tonight as heretical for raising the tension. 
I know eventually God spoke. I know Moses was given what then Israel received and the trajectory of her national progression took the people to places they could not imagine. I know they were the blessed recipients of that eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard and minds haven't conceived kind of experience. But while I do know tonight what happened after the seventh day, I just wonder how Moses handled those six cloudy days prior. sitting in the glory of God, wondering if he got his spot wrong or did he become all of a sudden disqualified in his mountain ascent? Did God change God's plans? He didn't choose to share it with Moses. Did I lose first position in this divine assignment? God, what's going on? I know I'm not out of your presence because I'm literally enveloped in it. He's here. I can see it. His glory is all over the place, but he ain't saying anything. And in fact, he didn't say anything yesterday. In fact, he hasn't spoken to me for six days. And I raise this tension tonight because we all have and will often find ourselves living in these six cloudy days trafficking in time between amazing divine demonstrations and powerful revelations affirmed that we're in the right place having responded to the right call but trying to make sense out of this prolonged silence responded to the call to be a custodian of the demonstrative and yet it appears I'm spending more time managing the less than demonstrative chores required by the six cloudy days preceding. We all live in this strange context of these six cloudy days, don't we? I asked you for direction days ago and our relational history has so many instances where you guided me immediately. The culture is asking for answers to the crisis they face and my hurried rush since you have not been talking to me in my hurried rush over these six days to provide them an answer. It has me choosing a ministry that is attractive over the ministry that is militant. I'm in the right place. I can sense your presence. The people are anxious about my return. You called for the meeting. I showed up when you called, and now you're going to delay? And this delay is confusing. It's tormenting for me because my need is urgent, immediate, necessary, vital. It's important and significant. And if all of these for me sums up my expectation, should it not be urgent for you, God? Did I hear you wrong? Did I do something wrong? Did someone sabotage our plans? Have you switched your focus? And now I'm not a part of your progression. Did somebody forget to tell me something? This is how Moses had to feel. Seventy elders are just a few gradations lower, a whole nation at the base, and all of us can see glory. God is here. Everything about who I am and what I know and what I discern says that I'm in the right place, but God isn't saying anything, just hovering creating a strange sense of present absence or absent presence, whatever image fits. And I was okay day one. Day two, I became anxious. 
Day three, I'm severely concerned. Day four, I'm starting to listen to my doubt. Day five, I'm frustrated. Day six, I'm angry and confused. And finally, on day seven, you want to talk to me? How did Moses handle six cloudy days? And how do we handle delayed periods of silence and ambiguity and ministry uncertainty and routine ministry drudgery without any exciting demonstrations, no clear understanding of what to do with this institutional adverse culture? We are attempting to evangelize who asks for us to offer a faith practice that only appeases their appetite, never offends their conscience, accepts no absolutes, holds little loyalty to tradition in the institution, unable to celebrate the institution's virtues because it carries the stench of ethnic and gender and sexual bias, wanting a word watered down to include all preferences and all pluralities. I'll join your church, but everything's got to go and everything must be accepted. Everything has has to be affirmed. Everything has to be stroked. Everything has to be permitted. No sacrifice. No such thing as absolute truth. And with a political landscape that is so bogged down in slimy deceptions and greed-filled alliances, you got me up here for six days knowing these people already think that I'm detached from their mountain-based realities. I'm sorry, I'm talking about my struggle. And I know that once God speaks on day seven, what he says will define Israel forever. I know it will establish laws and shape culture and protect community. I celebrate everything God will reveal to Moses and what I know will be Moses' personal investment in making sure Israel fully understands it all. What piques my sermonic interest tonight is, what did Moses think the first six days sitting in silence. And what perhaps tonight is God encouraging us to consider in the gaps between epiphanies and the seasons between theophanies when there are no major shifts and radically changing circumstances and mind-blowing blessings and enemy-defeating victories when people are not running laps around the sanctuary and dropping money at the altar and speaking victory over their lives. What is the text challenging us to do, not on the seventh day of celebration, but the six days of silence? And I wonder tonight if perhaps what God is challenging us to consider is can presence be enough of a confirmation or is extravagant demonstration always required? Can I rest here in the silence and simply enjoy presence? I mean, if demonstration is my only filter for confirming the presence and power and purpose of God, my faith will reach a stage of arrested development. 
Every time I come to church, I'm going to need a fresh prophetic word, a public display, and a promise of actionable victories. And when we preachers succumb to preparing this style of gospel and ministry, it's going to stagnate complete maturation and place us on a limited plateau of the demonstrative. There's so much more that God shapes in us through the silence. The delays, when you have to fight restlessness and learn simply to abide. Am I talking to anybody in here tonight? He has as much to show you in the normal, quiet, progressive fellowship that takes place day to day as he demonstrates when he's multiplying fish and loaves and separating water. Spurgeon says, delay will quicken and increase desire and that if God keeps you waiting, you'll see your need more clearly and will seek more diligently and that you'll treasure the mercy all the more on account of the wait. In other words, you'll learn to value the gift of his presence alone. If you don't do anything extravagant, demonstrative, I'm just glad and grateful to be in your presence. The crisis that this culture faces, that's what you asked me to talk about. It's call to the church for answers necessitates that you take tablets down that mountain from day seven engagement, able to argue its legitimacy for ethical insertion in the public discourse based on on the convictions you've come to the six days preceding. You don't have authority to talk about what you got on day seven unless you survive the silence of the preceding six days. Because the issues this culture faces needs our stewardship of devotion to the creative imagination of God. Our work has shifted. Shifted from measuring success based on brick and mortar expansion to now the desperate need for safe relational connections with authentically spiritual leaders who have more than answers and suggestions but who reflect the presence of an eternal God. My ministry has shifted over these 30 plus years from an expectation that I simply handle chores in the congregation's absence that we celebrate in the congregation's presence. Now they care less about the chores and just want me to be around intentionally focus on conversations that help them sort through life's complexities not with an axe at the root of the tree but also not surrendering truth and owning it even if we have to have critical and crucial conversations you need God's imagination to speak truth to absurd power in this incredulous age and backing away from a belief in a virgin birth or a certain afterlife or an empty tomb are not how we need to train clergy for professions in ministry. You don't have to water down the gospel or rewrite the Bible in order to find a place in the cultural conversation. I need commitment to honoring time in God's presence more than my commitment to a 
absorb the critique of the culture and ministry still needs a commitment more to the former than the latter. I can only cease playing ministry defense when I made a commitment to the offensive strategy that has been set. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. but against powers and principalities. I wonder how much introspective work Moses was able to get done sitting in the safe presence of God's glory. He can't hurry God. He knows God doesn't need to be reminded that he's in this waiting room for an appointment he responded to and did not initiate. Moses is away from the decisions that were pressed on him by elders, the turbulent issues among the tribes, the need to motivate a nation to press forward and fight faithfully. Moses is away from the shaping of ethics and morality and spirituality and faith in a people who have running in their veins the duplicity of spiritual practices, many of which were sewn into the fabric of their ethic by the length of their enslaved sojourn in Egypt. Maybe six days in God's presence was a refreshing opportunity for him to catch up with himself and sort through the complexity of his own thoughts that had been suppressed while he made everything else and everybody else a pressing priority. Maybe he found it excruciating and learned just how addicted he had become to the movement and the pace and the demands and the need to be needed. And perhaps it became a time of repentance when he could recognize how much his labor had overtaken his devotional connectivity. And he spent six cloudy days being reminded prayer still works. Perhaps God forced Moses to sit six days in his presence to see if the tablets were more important to him than his fellowship with God. Would being in God's presence this long with no words spoken spook the maturing leader with the frustration of delay expose flaws in Moses' personality or defects in his character? I don't know tonight. Which of these are more true to why God made him sit for six days? But I know that God is not handcuffed by our need for immediacy. He doesn't allow us to take him hostage because of our anxiety and urgencies and why he responds to our prayers and is sensitive to our heart cries. He ain't controlled by him. I'm sorry. He is not controlled by them nor will he ever be manipulated by them. And he has reasons for making Moses sit there. That may not include any of the reasons I've offered, but it doesn't change the fact that I posit tonight that if you can't handle his presence without him talking and revealing and demonstrating and changing and multiplying and prospering, then it speaks to the current infantile state of your faith. Because God doesn't rush most things of high spiritual import. Because the end result of the tablets is never as important as the relationship he's establishing with the one who will carry them. God is using the time not for tablets only. He could have dropped the tablets on people through a myriad of other ways. But the faith of his leader, the trust and patience of his leader, the development of close experience with his leader needed these six days of presence in silence. Can I suggest, and I'll take my seat. 
Can I suggest that we never forget that God wants fellowship with us more than anything else. That the blessing of monumental importance for us is that God just delights hanging with us. Is anybody in here listening to me? Even if not much is said or not much is done, he just likes being with us. I'm convinced that Moses had to just be there for six days when clearly God doesn't have to delay saying what he really has already said. And since he is eternal and for him there is no beginning or ending and every day is an eternal now, it's not like God needed time before he spoke to his servant. So it must mean his servant needed time before God spoke. And the text doesn't say that anything happened in those six days. And I won't superimpose on the text. I'll make no inferences on the text. If it doesn't say anything happened, my logical conclusion and exegetical sharpness says then nothing happened. What did he do? He sat there, couldn't sign on the Instagram, Snapchat, or Facebook. He had to sit there and watch Glory Hover. Because Moses needed more than anything else, perhaps, just time in the presence of God. God has some of us tonight living so close to whatever is next that we can feel it. We can, we can taste it. We can sense it. We discern it. But you can't receive it unless you can handle those six cloudy days. That period of silence. What appears to be no movement from God on our behalf at all. The cloud says he's there. You know he has a plan. He summons you for the meeting. Glory is all around you, and yet you're going to have to wait. Can you handle the privilege of invitation without the bestowing of responsibility? I wonder if Moses is being challenged to offer his time with no activity, no demonstration. You ain't on the preach. You ain't on the sing. You're not on the pray. You're not on the read the scripture. No miracles. No conflict resolution among leaders. No settling of camp disputes. No building of altars or offering sacrifices on the same. Can you resist the temptation to feel like it's wasted time just because you have no pointed responsibility? Can the prophet send for you while you're not there just out? outside being faithful with the sheep or are you breaking in the back door trying to shove a copy of your resume and the recent tape of your last engagement because you got to seize the moment walk into your season or can you just let your gift make room for you and bring you before good people maybe it's what Martin Luther said when he suggested I have so much to do today let me spend the first three hours in prayer presence alone must be a priority. God may give us time we waste, but he never requires time of us that he wastes. How does Moses survive these six cloudy days? Because he never stopped expecting what had not yet manifested. To me, this is the test of the presence of your faith. But it's also the test of the muscle of your faith, the endurance of your faith. Your faith may be able to lift a heavy load, but can it do it over a duration of time? Not do you have faith, but how long can it last? What's your breaking point? What's your negotiating price? 
What's the line after which, when it's crossed, you can't come back? Moses' belief in the reality of God has him on the mountain, but his enduring confidence makes him sit there for six days. I don't know if I could have done it. His obedience to the invitation prompted him to move with haste, but he needs a strong and tenacious expectation to stay up there in silence for six days. And I remind us again, while I know I'm in the right place, I've been in ministry with enough intersections, many of which have been unfortunate, where I wanted to walk away from ministry. I carry scars tonight covered under the suit that were deep enough but yet nonetheless healed long enough for me to look you in your eyes and tell you hang in there I'll, I'll say it again I carry scars deep enough I've come to enough intersections I've earned this by enough tenure in ministry to look you in your eye and tell you hang in there all the stress of ministry in this declining age of Christianity, you hang in there. All the personal attacks and social media ambushes, you hang in there trying to figure out just what makes this culture tick and how sensitive the balancing act between your want to be prophetic and your need to keep the lights and the bills paid, trying to find the balance between the congregation's consumer appetite and your allegiance to build a congregation of militant disciples I know how hard it can be to want to tell the truth, but to know to do so, some tides might walk out the back door, or certain families may become offended. I know if you're like me, you're wondering how much longer can you take this? I'm tired of having to consider, do I have to give away a car or a washing machine or promise dinner at a five-star restaurant just to get people to come to church, and I have no more somersaults or bull pit gyrations or gymnastics. I can't hoop holler squall anymore. I don't know anymore to say or do. And God, you got me up here. And you ain't saying anything. And maybe tonight, maybe tonight, in the midst of our fatigue, feeling isolated, maybe what God is saying to us is, ministry's in the tension. You so in a hurry for day seven that you're willing to abort ministry development the preceding six days. Here's the challenge. The challenge is to let the tension make spiritual deposits because it too teaches it too refines it too exposes the tension gives gifts of introspection and time to answer the complexity of the questions and all these gifts are shared on the seventh day Many are shared in the tension of waiting during the six cloudy days. I wonder tonight, I'm, I'm done, I wonder if at times God stretches experiences he could solve immediately and if he extends struggles he could ease immediately because he's not trying to awaken faith, he's trying to mature it. See, here's, here's the question. Will Moses wake up the next day as hungry to hear my voice 
having gone to sleep another day when I haven't talked to him. And the hope for us tonight is that we are as enduring during seeming absence or silence as we are excited about the demonstrative presence of God. That God's delays don't deaden the anticipation of his speaking whenever he chooses to. Or that his movement or manifestation has to match your urgency or it will not have your gratitude when he doesn't move or manifest as fast as you anticipate. Can I chase what continues to elude me? Can I bring heightened joy to delayed answers? Can I give him my best when it seems God has not given me any signs of anything? But you have to remember... And when God is choosing not to speak concerning an area of your life, it's not a reflection of a God who is absent. He's still glory on the mountain. Even when he's not literally inviting Moses to position himself anywhere specifically. I would hope that some of you would chase the will of God when he's not giving you confirmation. When you're not as clear as to how much longer and for what end or aim. Just prove to God that you're there and you're willing to chase what is not yet fully revealing itself. For all that God is and all that God has done. Can I ask you, isn't he worth the chase? If I have to leave my sermonic engagement, even with a cliffhanger, it's okay because I don't have to have everything solved. I just need to have one absolute, and that is as long as I'm walking by faith and I'm walking according to ordered steps, then I'll make my way through the maze of my own personal ambiguities. Do not conclude that every blessing is waiting for you to arrive at day seven. Some blessings are strewn throughout the six days while you exist and nothing more than the hovering cloud. Because that means God is the answer, but he's also in the search. God is in the deliverance, but he's also in the enduring struggle. God is in the healing, but he's also in the grace to live carrying well the pain. Moses becomes closer to who God is, shaping each of the waiting days prior to his voice beyond audibly heard on day seven. God's presence is not limited to manifestation. If you ask me tonight what my pain is for the contemporary church, it is this. We have so fed the culture a diet of manifestation. That whenever we announce invocation, somewhere between invocation and benediction, if something demonstrative is not going on, then most of our congregations have concluded we have not had church. And in fact, I try to tell members of my church, you can't run every Sunday. You can't shout every Sunday. You can't be the one hollering every. You can't be laid out every Sunday. You can't be the one that's screaming every Sunday. Why? Because some Sundays God needs you to sit down and be silent so he can correct all of this bipolar, dysfunctional, multiple personality, schizoid, maladjusted behavior in your life. Sit down somewhere and listen. I'm not hooping to you every Sunday. I'm not getting up and trying to squall, trying to sweat out of every suit God's blessed me with because you can't have church until I've decided to try 
God to shut it down. How about you sit down and just listen to God say, he that have ears to hear. Have I got a witness in here tonight? God's presence is not limited to manifestation. Stop telling everybody it's going to happen by the 31st of the month. And as soon as you get out to the parking lot and it's based upon how much money you have given, do you know how many of our members have written these things down in the leaflets of their Bibles and expiration dates have passed? And you mad at them for walking out the back door? You promised them prosperity. You promised them all their enemies would be their footstool. You told them they were going to get a car, a house, and a boo, and here they are still in church, broke, busted, and disgusted, and they ain't mad at God, they mad at us. Your faith has to chase a God who you know is working even when you can't hear him. And see and confirm. All I know is I'm in his presence. And being right here is okay with me. Until God makes his choice to do something different. I'm done. That, that the text says. text says on the seventh day God did speak. After Moses had time to sit in God's presence and purge his underlying hungers. After he defeated the need for immediate and could settle for eventually. When he could let go of activity and be shaped by solitude. When he could decide that asking how long is not as efficacious as settling for however long. He then discovered that you can renew strength as strong as eagle's wings. <laughs> you can walk and not faint run and not get weary if you can wait on God. The tablets were given. Moses descended. The people instructed. Progress was made. The promised land secured. Blessings flowed in abundant provision. And despite six cloudy days up on the mountain, Israel was right on time for where they needed to be. But because of the six cloudy days, they were not only right on time for where they needed to be, they were right on time for who they needed to be. And I don't know how long tonight your six cloudy days will last and when your day seven expression will begin. I don't know when the tide of your ministry will turn. I don't know when people are going to crowd back in our sanctuaries. I don't know when the tides are ever going to become superfluous again. I don't know when God is going to reward us for our sweat equity and pay us for the work that we've put in. I don't know when it's going to feel more downhill than it feels for me in this season like it's an extreme uphill battle. But I do know this. He may not come when you want him. I wish I was at home, because if I was at home comfortable, I'd have to pause and say, that's one of those spots where you say, ooh, Lord, he may not come when you want him, but grab somebody and tell him, but he's always right on time. I love that Max Licato illustration. When he says, once there was a man who dared God to speak, burn the bush, God, like you did for Moses, and I'll follow you. Collapse the walls like you did for Joshua, God, and I'll fight. Still the waves like you did in Galilee, and I'll listen. And so that man sat by the bush, sat near the wall, sat close to the sea, and waited for God to speak. And God heard the man, so God decided to answer. He sent fire, not for the bush, but for the church. 
He brought down a wall, not of brick, but of sin. He stilled the storm, not of the sea, but of the human soul. And then God waited for the man to respond. And God waited. And unfortunately, God waited. But because the man was looking at bushes and not hearts, bricks and not lives, seas and not souls, he decided God had done nothing. And finally, he looked to God and said, God, have you lost your power? And God looked at him and said, man, have you lost your hearing? Hear me tonight, Hampton. What God is trying to do for us is to awaken the church community. That's why we got to put up with this Trump incredulous administration where truth is on the scaffold. Am I talking to anybody here where we can't decipher one lie from another? But I'm here tonight to tell you that when I dismount this pulpit and I go back to the room, I'm going to sleep like a baby. And if you ask me why, it's not because I'm not concerned about what's happening in Pennsylvania Avenue. It's not because I'm not concerned with the decline of Christianity in the United States of America. It's not because I don't carry concerns about how absurd our seminaries have become when you want to teach my preachers that there is no immaculate conception and that there is no heaven and hell and that Jesus is not the son of the living God. But I'm here tonight to tell you, you can write me off as old-fashioned. You can call me antiquated if you want, but I still believe that Jesus is the son of the living God. And I still believe that the best hope for America is the Christian church. And I still believe that every community ought to thank God for its preacher. Do I have any company in the building? Grab somebody by the hand and help me to encourage somebody and look somebody right in the eye and tell them when Friday comes and you go back to your city, I want you to write the vision and make it plain and after you write the vision don't try to manipulate it you carry until it comes to pass because it surely will come to pass have I got a witness here tonight I'm trying to quit but my soul didn't mess around and caught on fire I actually thought I should have declined the invitation because I froze thinking about standing in front of you until it hit me. You and I are in the same sphere. Every chance we get, we ought to get excited to just tell somebody at the cross, at the cross, where I first uh, saw the light. Have I got a witness here tonight? Come on, help me to encourage somebody. Take them by both arms like you're trying to minister to them and tell them, don't get weary. Come on, you ain't preaching to them. This is your chance. You go home and tell somebody you had a chance to bless somebody's life. Tell them, don't get weary in your well-doing. For in due season, we gonna reap if we faint not. Say yes. Come on, tell them, don't get weary. Keep on preaching. Don't get weary. Keep on trusting. Don't get weary.
one of those six cloudy days. Let me see your hand. All right, I'm going to challenge you because I know you can shout on the seventh day, but I want to see if you can give God praise and you stuck in between day one and day six. Isn't he still worthy? Won't he still come through? Isn't he still God on his throne?
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Pastor William H. Curtis this morning, or Dr. William H. Curtis, and then that was uh, Van Morrison, whenever God shines light on me. Hallelujah. We thank God for his word this morning because we are learning to wait on God. That's what we're learning. Everything is not instant. Everything is not quick. Some days you got to go through. Yeah. Good morning to you, Pastor David. We see he's back and doing much, much better. And I knew that God would do it for him. I knew that God would bless him. And uh, we thank God for medical people. Yeah. Today uh, is a little rough because they're getting them through medical school really, really quick. But if God says to do something and we obey it, we're going to get what we need and more. And it may take a little time because our body have to line up with certain things, food or medications or whatever. And it kills whatever is in that it shouldn't be to the point of where we're feeling much, much better, much better. And the thing of it is all of this is waiting, waiting, patience, waiting, patience, waiting. That's what it is with God. He don't always move overnight. He don't. He don't always move this morning. I can't pray at 501 all the time, and he moved by 502. Yeah, that's not his MO. What he does is he moves when it's best, when it's going to do what he wants it to do. That's when God moves. Yeah, because he can look at something, and it'll change, and it'll change. So a lot of times, it's, it's, it's his timing. And his reason, his purpose. And we just have to learn to wait on him. Hallelujah. There are things I wanted yesterday. <laughs> and the Lord didn't even give them today. Sometimes he don't give them the next month. The next year. I have to continue to wait on him. And I'm like Job. Though it tarry, yet I'm going to wait for him. Because when it comes, it's going to give me that and more than I need it. And I'm always in the mood for more than from God. Now, I'm not always in the mood for more than from man. Because I tell you the truth, man is a pitiful creature. But I am always, always in the mood for more than from Almighty God that have all power. So we're in the waiting mode. We're learning to wait on him. Yeah, trust him. Trust him. It's coming through. The young lady said today she didn't know what was ahead of her, but she trusts the heart of God. And that's what we're doing. We're trusting the heart of God, which is full of love for us. Oh, yes, it is this morning. Hallelujah. His heart is full of love for us. Yeah. I emailed Louis on yesterday. I wanted to share this, too. And uh, I have not heard back from him. So... I think that I am going to have to go to Ocala, Florida, and see what is going on with he and Sherry, because something is going on because I have not heard from him, and sometimes Louis have to go to the hospital because he run a fever, and when it's like that, um, he have to go and they 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 do these. A test and different things So I got to run down there And uh, just see what's going on 
so I will know for myself that they are all right or what's going on. He's got a son, and uh, if I get in touch with him, I am going to make sure I get that son's phone number, Mr. Mason Daddy, that's Louis' grandson, so that if something happens like this again, I can call the son, and the son can tell me uh, what's going on with he and Sherry. So y'all keep Louis and Sherry lifted up in prayer. Ooh, because this is a strange thing for me. I never not known Louis to be in this chat room. Now, he have to go early sometimes. Some days he can't make it because he got to take Sherry or himself for medical appointments. But that's a very rare occasion. He's usually here. So, again, y'all keep Louis and Sherry lifted in prayer this morning. Another thing I want to ask y'all to do, if you can, go over and check that store out. And uh, if we're Facebook friends, it's all over my Facebook page. Check out the new Facebook page. We made a professional page. And uh, check that out. And uh, see how you like it. And say something over there. You have to say, hey, I like the new page, Sister Barbara. I like the new page. Uh, I'm coming here. Whatever you want to say over there, say something. Yeah, because there's, there's room for you. Um, to say something over there on that page. Um, you can go to the store if you go to HTTPS, the two colons on top, the two periods on top of each other, forward slash, forward slash, Jesus in the morning dot net slash. Yeah, check that out. H-T-T-P-S, with the two colons over it, forward slash, forward slash, Jesus in the morning, dot net slash. Yeah, go over there and check that out. And uh, y'all let me know what you think about it over there. Say something to me. Oh, it's a nice store, Sister Barbara. Uh, I'll be shopping at some point. Whatever you want to say. But let me know that you went over and you checked the store out. Sister Irene went over there and she checked it out and she said that it was very nice. And I'm getting a lot of compliments on it over there and uh, from outsiders. But I don't want it to be just for outsiders. I wanted it to be a part of your life, that faithful few. Yeah, I wanted it to be a part of your life. And I want you to support it so that one day it may support you. But if I got to do all the work and strangers do it, oh, well. And that's not the way we want to be. We want to love people. We want to support people that in dire straits. We want to help somebody pay an electric bill or a house note or something when we can, when we have the money in that to do this. Yeah, it may be one of us that's in dire straits because things are rough out here now. Things are bad. And we never know when a job is going to shut down. We never know what what the next move is. So if we have something of our own that we're supporting or we support it or that we can depend on, then we're good to go. I, I've, I've often tried to do this, but... Uh, I think people forget because life, I'm not accusing anybody. I'm not talking about 
any of you uh, bad, any of that. Life happens sometimes. And when life happens, you, you got to move with your life. Oh, I know what she said about supporting and, and this and that, but right now I, I got to try to get my house note money. Right now I got to try to get my car note money, my, my car insurance paid up, or my, my yearly taxes, whatever it may be. Because we all have situations. We all have bills. If you living and you're an adult and you have a house, I'm not talking about you bought a house. If you renting somewhere, an apartment, if you're a roommate, you got to pay. And you got to have a way to pay it. And I heard him saying this morning about giving, but let me tell you, that's what blessed me to be a cheerful giver. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah, but that giving is what got me in a good situation. Sacrificing for the Lord got me in a good situation. And when I put him first in everything, it turns real good. But he must be first in everything. But I'm back to this. Yes, we all have some situations. We all have bills to pay. Some of us, we are trying to become debt-free as quick as possible because we don't know the next move that's going to be made in this country. Yeah, so we are trying to do all we can to stay afloat, to keep it going, to get in a place where we don't need uh, to borrow money from the bank and to this and to that. That's what we're working on. Because I'm telling you, from one day to the next, we never know really just what to expect. If anybody remember, we went to bed with uh, never thinking about a mask or gloves or a Lysol other than regular cleaning our homes. We never thought about that like that. Gallons and gallons of bleach, stocking up tissue. We, do, we stock up some things when it's a hurricane or something like that coming. But we had to stock up in case everything shut down. Just just a few days ago, they were talking about the government shutdown. You see? So we, we, we never know. But if we support something that's, that any given time can support us, we're making it happen. That's what it's all about. And I wanted each of us to be silent investors. Yeah. We shopping it, and I'm adding more and more to the store, hopefully at a price you can afford. Yeah. But we know taxes will be added now because we are in a country that charge taxes. So I'm going to make it as least expensive as I can. And I pray that we pull together and make this a successful store. And I want to make it international. And people from all over the world will come to our store and shop because you have some Christians overseas that will support. Yeah. I, I looked many times at the, um, what this thing was called, when you need some, trying to help somebody with to raise some money. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I tried to do it for Sister Rita. I, I didn't get the support. And... Uh, I, I was really shocked at that. Kind of hurt. <laughs> hey, but it's okay. Because little is much with God. And somebody might say, well, it's only 10 of us. 
That's all it takes. It really only took five of us, three of us. Because if we focus on it and we're praying and God see the very intent of our heart is to really be a blessing, he'll move, he'll multiply. I'm not telling you what they told me. I'm telling you from experience. Then we had another person that was in dire strait and we prayed the prayer of faith and God moved and every penny was met because that's what he told me to do. Yeah. So this is what we want to do. We want to get in a position uh, that we can help one another. Wouldn't it be a nice thing that you called and said, hey, my car broke down and uh, I'm working on getting it fixed. And I say, well, look, just go over to the dealership and pick you out a car. And I don't don't, don't pick it out for more than 20 grand because that's all uh, we can afford to purchase a new car for you. And you go over there and find your car. 16,000, 18,000, 20,000. Or you may say, well, Sister Barbara, it's, it's 22,000. Well, okay, we can afford two more hundred. I'll put the 200 with it. Go ahead and, and, and get your car. And um, I'm cash apping you the money right now. Or I'm doing this and that to get you the money right now. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? This is the way I think. This is the way that my mind runs. Yeah, you need somewhere to live. My mind run on me helping you to get the new place. Yeah, that that that's the way my mind runs. None of us are homeless. None of us are in dire straits because we have God and we have each other. And the Lord sees the love we have one for another. Yeah. I can't sit back and say, well, no, I don't know them like that, you know. But this is the thing. God knows them, and if he speaks to do it, it's done. I can't help myself. That's the way it'll go. Now, if he don't speak and say do it, it can't be done. It won't be done. But if God speaks and say, go ahead and do that for them. I told you the lady called me the other day from Georgia. And I didn't have the money, and I wasn't led to come and ask No one here for any money. I didn't feel that in my spirit. I I told her the truth. We don't have it like that. And we don't. Back during the summer, I did a lot of different stuff to raise money. But how many know it costs money to make money? Anybody remember that? Yeah. I went into a little debt trying to make money, but God blessed me because he knew the intent of my heart. And he didn't move on it. Like I expected. And only he knows why. I don't know, but he knows. And I, I didn't even question him. I didn't say, well, Lord, why? I, I, I didn't do that. I accept what God allowed. I'm better off anyway. Yeah, I am. And if it was all of that, he would have spoke. And say, Barbara, this, this, and that. But he, he said nothing, and I didn't question him. I continued on in Jesus' name. So we want to pull together if we can for this store. If it, I don't care if you only buy something for $10. If you can afford to buy something for $10 a week, do it. And try not to forget. Because a lot of times we we make a commitment to ourselves and we'll forget it. Because of life. I'm just telling you the truth. Life come in. Life really show up. And we're human, and we will forget. 
I I, I gotta uh, get with Sister Ingrid because I there's a a couple and their children who ministers in Africa, and she wants to go and work over there with them. And when she explained things to me, I said, well, Sister Ingrid, uh, check with me this coming Friday. I'm going to try my very best to do what I can. But when Friday come, there was more urgent, you know, things come up that I, I haven't been able to send her nothing yet. But in a little bit, God is going to move and open the door and I'll be able to bless those people in ministry. Yeah, they, they feeding the people, they doing this, they doing that over in Africa. And I know they don't talk about it a lot and I don't either. But there are some places over there where it is beyond dire straits. And a lot of children that have lost their parents. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. And it, it's like a common thing. It, it's like what, what's expected to happen. How many of us are expecting to lose our, when we were raising our children as, as babies and, and toddlers and, and small children and then they grew into teenagers and even uh, into young adulthood? How many of us was expecting to die and, and leave them? And expected when they was babies? How many of us was expected to be bombed up, killed or whatever, and we, we don't know what, what will happen to our children? And it's the way of our country. Oh, it's some bad places, some bad things. But God has blessed us in America. That we're supposed to be a civilized country. We're supposed to have a heart of love because of God. The country was founded, I believe, and based on the things of God. He blessed America. But Americans don't bless God back. And we got to get in this place as believers, as Christians, as saints of God, as the people of God. We got to go back to God. I know we listen at all these uh, preachers and all this stuff, but you got to get on your knees and seek God for yourself. And ask him, Lord, which way should I go? What should I believe? I want the truth. And teach me the truth. Show me the way of truth, for Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But a lot of times, Americans are lazy. So we allow the preacher to teach us Sunday, a Bible study of their Sunday school, adult Sunday school. We allow him to bring us to the uh, uh, sanctuary, and he preached to us. He's teaching and preaching to us. And we trust in him and believe in what he said is from God. And that's what's wrong today. We put more hope in man than we put in almighty God. And, it, and if you rather believe man than God, it's a lot of us going to fall and we won't be able to get up. When I see a man or woman up uh, teaching or preaching, thank you, Sister Di. I'm going to get some over there. Thank you. I got to get with Helen. Look, because I'm, I'm only going to get t-shirts from her, really. But listen, this the thing. When the man or woman of God is up teaching or preaching, I'm not looking at them, per se. I thank God for the gift that he gave them. I thank God for using them because 
What God is bringing out of their mouth to me is for me so that I can walk a better walk with him. I can grow stronger in him. But I can't put my trust in man because God said put your trust in no man. That means the preacher, the pastor, the bishop, all of them leadership as well. Don't put your trust in these people. Trust me. Got to trust God. And that's what's wrong. And a lot of churches, they won't receive women. They'll only receive this one preacher, one pastor. Because they have taught the people to trust the man, not God. See, I trust God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 taught me early. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Barbara, and lean not to your own understanding. That's the spirit of the Lord. And all your ways acknowledge God. He's going to direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes, Barbara. Fear God and depart from evil. And he's going to bless you. And he has and he is and he will continue. But I can't give what God should have to a man. I refuse. I love my pastor. That carpet kicker, I love him and I love his wife. And I love the ministry. Oh, yeah, I love it now. But when it comes to God, I love him more. When it comes to God, I'm going to obey God more. This is why we were taught to have a personal relationship with God, but we didn't pursue it no further. We heard that, and we didn't go no further. But this is what the word said. I didn't say it. You can hold it against me if you want to, but I wasn't even there when God inspired man to write it. But his word said, those of us that come to him, we must believe. That's the key to God believing. That he is, who is Baba God is, a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligent means faithfully, continuously, always, non-stopping. Seeking God, not man, but God. I love that Noah Jones. Sometimes he 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 touches a nerve because all these big words, as we call them, college professor words. Everybody didn't go to college, Noah. Everybody didn't get a degree. And the word is so plain and simple, even a child can understand it. Even a fool can understand it. So where you come from with all these big words? And this is why I tell you we got to trust God, not man. But I believe that Noah bring the word from God. God speak through his mouth. I've, I've heard it. I've heard it. And I had often said if I was where he's at, I would be a member of his church. Not because it's a mega ministry, but for the teaching and the preaching of the word. But then the Lord pulled me on down the line away from that. You you don't hear me playing those messages as often as I used to. Pastor Terry K. Anderson, I love him. I love him. But God started pulling me on down the line away from those messages. Because, see, one thing about God, he's not a prejudiced God. You can tell the truth. But he is not a prejudiced God. He loves us all the same. (laughs) 
When the sinner, just like when I was a sinner, I came to him, he saved me. Any sinner that come to God, believing that he is, and that ask him to come into their heart and live forever, God is going to do it. It don't make no difference of your color, nationality, where you come from, how you look, what you wear, how you smell, where you work, how much money you got in the bank, what you drive, what you live in. None of that matters. Because all hearts look the same. When God clean our hearts up, they look the same. They're clean. And they pumping clean things. We don't put the filthy communication out of our mouth. We're not cussing no more. I could tell y'all something. All kind of people come to me. And I have to stand the ground of God. I can't stand the ground of Barbara. Because if I was standing in the ground of Barbara, I'd shut the door and lock it. And I don't care who knocked on it, I couldn't open it again. But because of God and the love, the gift of love that he gave me, the gift of caring, the, the gift of uh, uh, wanting to help, the help ministry that he put in my heart. I can't help myself. It, look here. And some of it is not all about God. Some of it is because of what God put in me once he cleaned me up. I love the people. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I, I can't help myself. Because at one time, I was bad and ugly. But when I come to him from a sincere heart, he cleaned me up. And as I continued to seek him with my whole heart, he continued to lead and guide me in the right path. He continued to clean my heart. He continued to renew my mind daily. Hallelujah, Jesus. So I know what God can do for the rapist. I know what he can do for the pedophile. I know what he can do for the murderer, the thief, the robber, the liar, the cheater. I know what God can do. The whore, the adulterer. I know God can fix you, but you got to continue to seek his face and turn from your wicked ways so that he can hear from heaven, forgive your sins, and heal your land. Hallelujah. Your land might be being a liar. He'll heal it. The desire to lie will leave you because, see, once he take the desire from you, you lose the desire. You don't, you're not going to do that no more because you don't want to. The desire is gone. Once the desire to drink is gone, you're not going to drink no more. The desire gone. They can pour liquor in front of you all day long. You're like, I don't want none of that. Sometimes the very smell of it will make you sick because you, you just can't do it. But I just want to share these things this morning in love. And I hope you don't think she's fussing over there and trying to get money out of us. No, I'm trying to bring you into a blessing today. Yeah, so that you can be blessed. Yeah, I love for us to come together. Buy a farm. We have land. Hallelujah. You got your house. The only thing you got to worry about is the, the, the contract that they built your house. And really, you wouldn't have to worry about that because what we do and pay for all of that. It takes unity. We have to come together. And it would be all right in Jesus' name. And we can't come together, you know, 
well, I'm going to hang on a little while, but I can't be over there too long, but I'll go through there because if she gets something, I'm going to get some of it. You can't have that kind of attitude either. Faithful, that's what God looked for, faithfulness. He's looking for faithfulness in me. Last week I took them days off. Y'all have no clue. I was really concerned because he's looking for faithfulness. But he understood I was working on the store to bring better for us. That faithful few. Y'all know who y'all. <laughs> here all the time. Here every morning. Uh, you might miss a few days, but you're right back. You, you, you're not gone for too long. Huh? Yeah, that faithful few. I look at old Rita over there. Some days I, Sister Rita, some days I have to laugh. I said, oh, Rita had something to do. She couldn't make it this morning. Or maybe she slept in. But if she happened to wake up or she get through, when I look up, I see that 727 area code. I see that go Rita. Huh? Faithful. I'm coming, Sister Barbara. I may not be able to come as often as I want to, but when I can, I'm coming. I see that 805. Oh, Jerry Crowd, you not the boss of me, Jerry. They said it was charging me. Jerry prayed and God found a way to get her in. Irene, oh, don't fool with Irene. That, that's not who y'all want to be bothered because Irene going to let God find her way. Irene going to work until it's done. Last night on the tee, Irene was bringing the people. I couldn't get them in. Irene threw her phone all the way in Australia was bringing people in to the tea. I said, Lord, that Irene going to work. I don't care what. Irene is going to support what she loves and what she believes God is in. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that 407 is two of them. Pastor David and his wife. Uh, uh, they would call Nikki was calling Pastor David last night. Miss CR, oh that thing tickled me so good. I had to hold myself together because I'll scream. But them, that four seven, yeah, that's Gotha right there. I, I I look around and I see that two five two. I know where that's coming from. That's Brother Anthony. When he got to work, he can't be here. But when he's not working, Anthony right here. 14 years, Anthony, Louis, huh, bro, D, where you at, D? I know you're somewhere listening. That 434, huh, 218, Shonda. I'll leave, but she coming back. Because this is what God placed. Where you going, Shonda? Come on back over there. You know evangelists love you. Why are you playing with yourself over there? Go on back, huh? Ain't going to support I got one bottle of my stuff left. She sent me to drink. Uh, oh, it's good, too. <laughs> Thank you, Minister Shonda. And 954, that's that Dr. Goodman. She going to work all the Facebook pages that she can work and bless me any way that she can. Brother Jermaine. I said D, didn't I? Yeah, Brother D. And it's a couple more. Oh, oh George West Perry. Don't leave that Perry out. And don't leave that Lou and Sherry out, huh? Yeah, God is faithful to us. Hallelujah. Listen, we have a guest this morning, and I asked her to come and uh, share a little bit of information uh, with us this morning. Because, you know, when I meet people, it's not a coincidence. And we know that 
that people think it's because of what they're doing and that in some way I may be able to support them, especially if they contact me. Then what it is, it's not that, but God is trying to do something for them. He's about to, hey, glory, he's about to make a big change in their lives. And so he sent them so that he can prepare them for the change. Now, if they listen, if they listen, they have a spiritual ear to hear what God is saying to the church and they obey and they follow that big change is coming and it's not about to, it's coming in their lives now. Because over here, we're not prosperity people. We're not seeking God for prosperity. We're seeking God to prepare ourselves because we don't know the day, not the hour when he's returning. So we are preparing daily for his return. That's what we're seeking God for. But he said we have not because we ask not. He said he wouldn't withhold no good thing from us. He said he's our shepherd and we shall not want. He said he would even prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. So we go to God for what we want. And because we're seeking him huh, to bless him, to be faithful unto him, and to show him we love him and we appreciate him, God opened doors and made ways. And then when he sent people, it's so that they can receive the blessings that he had for them. Many times he give uncommon blessings, uncommon favor, uncommon miracles. Uh, anybody ever went to the mailbox and there was an unexpected check? You, you didn't know that was coming. I've done it many times. I went out one day, there was a check in there for $37. Well, I didn't need but 20 Huh? What you did with the other 10 went on over there to um, Tropical Smoothie. Yep. And got me something delicious. <laughs> Huh? That's God. Yeah. And we thank him. We thank him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've had people to call me and say, can you come pick this up? I went over there. There were no clothes for me to give to somebody. It was money. And when I counted the amount, I was a dollar over from paying a bill. It, it, has that ever happened to anybody? And when we work unto him, not unto us because we need income and this and that, but we're working unto him, and because we're working unto him, he provides for us. He's a provider. He's a promise keeper. He's a way maker. This is the truth. And he know who to link us up with. So, look, I'm going to bring her in this morning. You know, I didn't even go back over there and look for what I was supposed to. But I'm going over there right this second. And I'm going to look and see if I can find what I was supposed to. Oh, stop it, I say. Don't you know me too well, Sister Box? <laughs> Stop it, I say, Rita. Okay, wait a minute. Let me go over here because I wanted to get her name and things. All right. Well, anyway, we, we good. We good. Y'all know how we roll. Yeah. I'm going to say good morning to you, area code 901. First three numbers, 343, and your mic is open. Good morning. God bless you. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing just great. Um, this is Sharon, last name Cottrell, all the way, bringing greetings from Collierville, Tennessee. And I just want to thank God that I met, that I actually conversed with Miss Pittman, Pittman, 
and it's just a blessing, and I'm just thanking God. And I just wanted to um, share a little information with you all. Uh, I am a Legal Shield and Identity Shield uh, agent, and uh, I tell you, when I tell you that this is something great to have, it is awesome. It's a great opportunity as well as a great investment. Uh, and I love being an identity shield and a uh, legal shield uh, agent because, for one thing, you know, in order for God to bring blessings, it's good to have a passion to do. You know, it's good to have a passion for what you love to do. And uh, it's not only about making sales, but it's about helping people and, you know, bringing people into the light about things that, are needed in our everyday life because there's so much that's going on in the world, even though we pray. But it's not the world, it's the people. It is. And, um, you know, I sell identity shield, and uh, our plans are not very expensive. We have plans for individuals, families, and business businesses as well at an affordable price. And um, if you would like to purchase a plan, I have two links that I want to share with you all. And if you would like to become a member of our team and actually sell Legal Shield and Identity Shield, when I tell you uh, there's a one-time fee of $49.99, and I was very hesitant at first about investing in it, but I pray about everything that I do. And I tell you, when I invested that $49.99, God opened some doors as far as financially. In one month, I made $4,500 in one month. And I was just thanking God and praising God for that. And uh, I just wanted to um, let you all know that it's a great investment because what's going on now, identity theft is on the rise, individual needs protection for themselves as well as their family. And then the legal shield, you know, you never know what happens when you have a traffic ticket. We can, we can, uh, you send a picture of that and we take care of that. If you have some kind of legal papers that you need our team to look over, uh, you can send up to 15 pages, and they will look over them, make sure everything is right, and send it right back to you. If someone gets in trouble, we have 600,000 attorneys that come along with your plan. Each person gets uh, an attorney, and I think it's just amazing. It's amazing. Uh, people need to know about it. If they don't know about it, and invest in it. Our cheapest legal plan starts at $19.99, $29.99. It's according to what plan you pick. And identity shield, like I said, it's amazing. My children, I have eight, five girls, three boys, all of them grown except for one. And they have really jumped into this because people are stealing children's identity. They're, they're hacking into computers. They're doing everything. But when you have this, Legal Shield and Identity Shield, you don't have to worry about any of that happen, happening because with the Identity Shield, if something majorly goes wrong with your credit, while Legal Shield and Identity Shield is monitoring your credit, it was a million dollars you would get, and last week it went up to $3 million that the, that the uh, person would get if something majorly goes wrong. So I think it's a great investment I'm going to share uh, two links with you all. I don't want to take up a lot of time. I'm just thankful and, ble- and I'm just thanking God that Miss Pittman blessed me to come on her today. And I'm going to go in the store and buy some things. I'm going to share her link because we're all in this together. We have to help each other, and I, I just thank God for it. But the link 
is. If you would like to go in and watch the video, and it will tell you everything that Legal Shield and Identity uh, Shield how it works and what it's all about. The uh, link is HTTPS. Then the little dots. Then the slash slash plan overviews 365.com and my social number is 1309274478 and there's another link that I would share it's an easier and faster way if you would like to purchase a plan or become a member of our team that link is https the dot slash slash checkout dot reallegalshield.com and we are LegalShield.com, Cottrell sharing the number five. I wish it was some way that they could see that or whatever, but I know it's not. Uh, but like I said, I just want to share that with you all, the importance of Legal Shield and Identity Shield. Uh, and I just want to thank Ms. Ms. Barbara once again for allowing me and giving me the opportunity because this, this is truly a blessing, truly a blessing. And I'm just thankful, and uh, I would give that link one more time. It's HTTPS, little dot, slash, slash, plan over B, 365.com, 130-927-478. And uh, I just, like I said, I'm thankful, and I'm going to give it back to you, Miss Barbara. It's been a blessing. And I thank you so much, and I've enjoyed everything that I've heard this morning. It's been a blessing. It's just been uplifting, and people need to hear the word of God. They need to hear it. They need to become a part of them. That's the thing. When it becomes a part of you, you know, it's you're on point. You have to let it become a part of you and listen on a daily basis, not just when problems occur, but be in that word daily, and then when you're in that word, it becomes a weapon, and you can deal with it. You'll know how to deal with the enemies a whole lot better than not being in the word. But like I said, I'm just thankful, and I give it back to you, Ms. Pittman. Amen. God bless you, Cheryl. God bless you. Listen, um, if you didn't get the link and you want them again, you can always go to the archive or the podcast and re-listen and uh, get that information. You can skip down uh, to where you yes. need to to get that information. You don't have to listen to the mm-hmm. whole show to go back in there and right. get it. So we thank God. And I would also on. like to uh, give them my telephone number. That's what okay, I forgot to do, Ms. Pittman. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, but okay, I can give them a number where they can reach me at any time. And this area code, 901-343-3961. And you can reach me at any time uh, if you want to plan or you want to sign up because it's not hard. It's not hard work at all. And my directors are millionaires. One of my directors, $13 million he's made. One of them, $12 million. And this money out there to be made, made, but all you got to do is manifest it and believe it. And you can see it and see it. And you can just feel it in your heart and God will give you exactly what you need and desire. Because all the time, he don't give us what we want. He gives us what we need and what we desire from God. And I thank you so much. That number again, Eric Code, 901-343-3961. Thank you so much, Ms. Pittman. Amen. God bless you. That's how I found out I wasn't the boys. Legal shield. 
Yeah, yeah that liar said he had yeah. divorced me and this and that yeah. when I was in Alaska. He divorced mm-hmm. me and he put a 20-day ad in the paper and I didn't answer the ad. So the magistrate right. went on and gave, me, gave him a divorce. Let me tell y'all something. Yeah. It was no mm-hmm. such thing. When I went yeah. to leadership, I had uh, Jesus in the Morning Confectionery and Jesus in the Morning yeah. Cafe. Yes, and uh, my daughter come home, Shantae come home, and I said, uh, you know what, I need to check on some things. I said, because if anything happened to me, I don't know if anybody can come in there and fool around. Let me check on some things. So when yes. I began to check, I went through legal shield, talked to the lawyer. He said, well, Miss Pittman, we looked at everything, and you're married. I said, what? He said, yeah, you're married to uh, Mr. Robert L. Mack. <laughs> I said, mm. no. He divorced me two or three years ago. The attorney said, Miss Mack, there's no resolution of marriage. There's no dissolution of marriage. He said, Miss Mack, we need right. you to uh, go where you got married and get a copy and come on back to your account. Yeah. Well, I went to Georgia mm-hmm. and got the copy of the marriage license, biggest day, and went back to Duval County and talked with them at the courthouse, and they couldn't pull up no record either. And so uh, I filed. And at first it was right. 400 and something dollars to file. Now, let me tell mm-hmm. you about God. When he be for right. you, he's more than the whole world against you. See, that wasn't his yeah. marriage anyway. He didn't put that together. I did, me and this man. Yeah, we decided exactly. to put this together. So when they got through, the divorce was $12 and some change. And the sheriff office went and served. The, the server called me. He said, well, uh, Miss Mack, he said, uh, we're going to uh, serve him. He said, ma'am, don't worry about it. Uh, by Monday, I will have a, a good answer for you. He called me that Monday yeah. afternoon. He said, Miss Mack, I served him. I was like, what? Yeah. He was like, well, I, I, I waited around, and I saw who went in the apartment, and I served him. So you'll be here right. in the court. And they went on, mm-hmm. and they gave me my divorce, but Legal Shield was the one who found yeah. out that I wasn't divorced and I was blessed yeah. to divorce. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I'm thankful. We also do living wills. We do living wills. We do custody battles as far as children, living wills. And it's always good for everybody to have a living will, no matter what age you are. And they do legal, they, they do living wills. Uh, divorces, everything, and an attorney comes along with everything because attorneys are so expensive these days. They are very expensive. But with Legal Shield, if you get Legal Shield, you will have an attorney that will be on site for 24 hours, no matter what go on. If you get a traffic ticket, get in trouble, Legal Shield is right there. Look over papers. If you buy a home, you can send the papers to them up to 15 pages, no matter what you buy. And if you buy a car, they'll look over there. If you buy something out of the store and they don't want to give you your refund or give you or replace it, send the receipt to Legal Shield because you will have an app on your phone and they will get a replacement or your money back. Legal Shield is amazing. Identity Shield is amazing. It's awesome. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. But all right, we mm-hmm. thank God this morning and God bless you, Cheryl, for coming through and we'll be back and I'll be back in touch with you. And uh, feel yes, free. Yeah, you want to reach mm-hmm. out. You think I can help you with something, even if it's no more than prayer, because the scripture says yes, the God. prayers of the righteous availeth much. Yes. 
And what I've learned over the years, it wasn't what Abraham was doing that caused him to be righteous, but it was his faith. God counted his faith as righteousness. And when we go before the Lord, we go before him believing. That's how I got to where I am, believing God, hallelujah, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm not making no moves. Lord, is this what you would have me to do? It sounds so good. People have asked me to come because of that gift. But guess what? He didn't say go. I can't move. And if I would have gone, all I was going to do is eat their food, stay, they pay for the hotel and the transportation and the flight and all of that and take me shopping and I was coming back home happy. But you wouldn't have got nothing out the deal because he didn't send me. So I have to make sure right. I'm sent. Yeah, I have to make sure I'm sent and it will be all right. All right. God bless yes, you again, Cheryl. And be, stay in touch now. Stay in touch. I will, Miss Barbara, and thank you so much. Thank you. Right. It's just been a blessing this morning to just be, be, uh, you know, on your show, on your radio show, and it's just, uh, I just can't wait to tell everybody. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share the number with everybody in the Amen. name that I had got. Yes, yes, yeah. and so they can much. join in. I don't always fuss every morning. I don't fuss every morning. <laughs> and this is it's that. Okay, so glad to meet the folks. Yeah, this that faithful yes, few that's here. Yes, yeah, is. this that faithful few that's here this morning, and I love that faithful few. Oh yes, I do. Yes. And uh, God yes, know it. Yes. God know it. And uh, my daughter and I, we pray uh, for the people uh, that come faithfully every morning. We pray for everybody, but you know, those that you know support, and they are here every morning. Then you you pray for them. Yeah, I got uh go run down there as soon as possible and check on Louis Sherry and I'll come back and give a report, y'all, on what's going on. Because that's not like them not to be in that chat room. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Yeah. So something is going on. He didn't answer my email either. Yeah, I got to run down here. And uh, I might You're run right. after the show because I, yes, I need to check. You know, the Lord ain't really put a real, yes, real man. urgency on it, but I just want to go and know, you know, and I know God yes, understands that. So we are thankful unto him. I'm going to mute your mic just for a minute, and we are going to our next song of the morning. And when I come back, I just want to say good morning to everybody, and uh, it will be all right today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yes, Hallelujah. All right, let's go to this one. Matter of fact, I'm going to dedicate this one to Cheryl this morning. How about that? Shout out.
Couldn't find one to compare To your grace, your love, your mercy Nobody greater, nobody greater than you Searched all over, couldn't find nobody I looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody Nobody greater, nobody greater, no, nobody greater than you. Searched all over, couldn't find nobody. I looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody. Nobody greater. Nobody greater, nobody greater than you. Nobody can heal like you can. Oh, most holy one, you are the great I am. Awesome in all your ways, and my ears are held. You are here carried out redemption plan.
radio not just for your ears, but also for your spirit. Jesus in the morning radio. And you're with Barbara. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Nobody's greater. Oh, we can look all over. Won't find nobody greater than Almighty God that have all power. Listen, we have a few minutes left. If if there's anyone that uh, have something you would like to say this morning, please feel free to press that number one and come in today and uh, share a little something with us. Good morning to you, Minister Spinner. God bless you this morning. Good to see you here. I feel all right about it today. <laughs> God bless you. Good morning, Sister Jerry. God bless you. And again, I guess uh, Cheryl, uh, good morning to you again. Good morning to you, Sister Irene. God bless you. Good morning to you, Minister Shonda. God bless you this morning. Good morning to you, uh, my honey bunny, Sister Dorothy Goodman this morning. God bless you, Sister Dot. And uh, good morning to you, Sion. Yeah, my Sion over there. I know you're over there working and doing it right. They can't get it done without you. <laughs> good morning to you, Pastor David. God bless you this morning. That's my buddy. Yeah, I got to see my buddy last night. He was up moving around and everything. Yeah, we thank God. We thank, hey, 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 Dot. Uh, see, y'all seen them teeth? Don't you tell nobody. Don't you tell nobody. All right, then. Good morning to you, Sister Rita. God bless you this morning. Brother Anthony was in, but uh, I don't know where he's headed this morning. So, uh, oh, there you go. There you are. Good morning, Brother Anthony. God bless you this morning. Yeah, good to see that 252 when he when he can while he's on the road, he'll call in. Yeah, that's my boy right there, that Anthony. And Brother D probably somewhere around here. Morning to you, Brother D. God bless you this morning. And I thank you for coming over in the, uh, uh, I think it's the Pratt Club. One of one of the chats, he come through and uh, he'll show up and say amen and he'll go on. Yeah. And so I just thank God. There's so many of us. And I got an um, a invite, I think it is, from Brother Jermaine. And uh, I think he's doing a podcast. And he even have a ministry uh, that's for suicide. Yeah, Brother Jermaine, he's been working on some things, and he had told me about it. But when he can, he come through. And so let's keep him, Brother Louie, and Sherry and Sister Anthony, uh, Sister Ingrid, let's keep them lifted up in prayer. Yeah, and it will be all right in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But the studio is still open. We have a few minutes. If there's anyone have something uh, they would like to say this morning, testimony, whatever it may be, feel free to press that number one and come in. If not, today we will get out early and we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. All right, for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. All right, Brother Anthony, coming at you right now, coming at you right now. Good morning, sir. God bless you. How are you? Good morning, Miss Bruffin. Good morning, everybody. First of all, I just want to give God thanks for waking me up this morning. Thank God for my self and strength, keeping my right mind, allowing me to see another day never seen before. I thank God for acting my limbs. Thank God for who he is to me, what he's doing in me, uh, where he brought me from, where he's taking me at. And just blessed to be here another day and blessed to hear y'all voice and uh just uh, wanted to say good morning to everybody here at work. I'll try to get this day started and get it over with, but um, I just wanted to say good morning and God bless everybody. And uh, 
just ask that y'all uh, touch and agree with me in prayer. Uh, I uh, apply for a couple of positions in this job that I'm working at, and I ask that God will show me the job that he desired for me and that he will open the door for favor towards where he want me to be at in the position. So y'all just stand and agree with me and touch and agree with me on that in the name of Jesus. And y'all have a blessed and awesome day, and, and I'm praying for you all as well. Amen. 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 We got you, Brother Anthony. We got you. But you know what? When you get it, hey, glory. Ayasha. Hey, Anthony, when you get a chance, I just need you to lift your hands to the Lord and just begin to tell him thank you here. Just begin to tell him thank you because this next move is going to be a permanent. This next position in work that God gives you is going to be permanent. You understand what I'm saying? So when you get a chance, I just need you to praise him. I just need you to worship him. I just need you to lift him up. And guess what? It's not going to be in the way that you really think it's going to work. Yeah, it's going to be in a whole nother way. But as you get in there and you begin to work on in there, you're going to get to see nobody but you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Mr. Reed, for touching and agreeing this morning. Hallelujah. Yeah, just begin to praise him. So, see, as you praising him, he he constantly working it out for your good. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Look here, Dr. Goodman. Don't find nothing, won't be nothing. <laughs> she says she didn't see any Jesus in the morning t-shirts over there in that store. I'm going to have him to put them in there, hopefully, uh, between today and Friday. So, Dot, I'll make sure I have those t-shirts over there. But I need to get with Helen because she's got a big order, and I need to get with her. Uh, I think she sent me an invoice, but I need to check it and see the price on the invoice and pay Helen. And she'll ship me the T-shirts. He put them in the store, and I'll be the one to ship the T-shirts out. Or I, I might be able to go through uh, Shopify in the drop shipping company, and they put that on there. But I really like Helen's style. I can't help myself. I really like them Jesus in the morning T-shirts that, that Helen does. She does good work. And I love it. So I'm going to have to get them from Helen. I'm sorry. I'm going to just have to speak with Helen in the T-shirt. God bless you all this morning. We thank God for another Monday morning. Thank God, Minister Spinner back coming through when she can. She working. But when she can, she'll run right through there. Okay. All right, Cheryl. I'm coming at you right now. Good morning again. Your mic is open. Yes. Yes, good morning. I just wanted to just say again that it's just been truly a blessing to be a part of this this morning. I will be tuning in again, and Amen. I just want to thank you thank you again, Miss Barbara. And I want to share those links and be a little plainer with it this time. Uh, okay. Real quick, uh, the links is HTTPS colon slash slash plain overview 365.com slash one three oh nine two seven four seven eight and the other one is H T T P S colon slash slash checkout dot we are legal shield dot com sharing well it's portrayal sharing the number five and it's slash after they call. Like I say it again H T T P S colon slash slash checkout we are legalshield.com 
slash Catrell Sharon number five. Yeah. Okay. Now now Sharon, I'm gonna need you to go to LinkedIn. And I'm gonna go I'm gonna okay. need you to get send me them 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 links over there messenger yes, on LinkedIn. Now don't forget to do that today, okay? Yes, ma'am. I sure okay. will. I'll do that when I get off of the phone. I sure will. Yes, ma'am. Don't don't forget because I may want uh one of them packages for the store. Uh, yes, because ma'am. I got the business one is out of this world. Uh, there's a okay. lot of people been purchasing it. My daughter purchased it the other day, but it's the business plan. Then there's a home essential plan, which is only fourteen ninety nine. That comes along with it, and it is awesome. My daughter Jasmine just purchased it uh, Friday. She purchased okay. both of them. But if you right. have a business, you have to purchase both of them. The business plan plus the home essential one. And it's okay. only fourteen ninety nine that one is. So in all, she didn't even pay out fifty dollars. I think it was like forty eight dollars and some odd cents. It may not even been that much. Okay. Well just send it to me. I'll take a look and uh it yes, will be ma'am. all right in Jesus' name. Yes it will. Yes, yes it will. Yes it will. Yeah. Yeah. Thank uh-huh. you so much. Yes, yes we thank God. God. We thank God. Listen, is there anyone else have something they would like to say? We got a few minutes left. All right, so if not, we're moving on in Jesus' name. And look, during the day, I see some of y'all over there playing on Facebook. Go on over there to Jesus <laughs> in the morning and post something, please. Say something right. so somebody else can see it. Because look, we're lifting up the name. It's him that's going to do it. He, he the one will draw. And unless he draw, they can't come. That's the only way he can, they can do it. But we got to lift him up. So if you do that, we're going to be all right in Jesus' name. Thank you so much. And Brother Anthony, I can't wait to hear that testimony. You hear what I say? God is not a lying God. And that next position is going to be a permanent spot. You ain't going to have to move around no more. You're going to be right there. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. I can see it. I can see it. Hey, glory. Hallelujah. Jesus. Thank you today. Hey, thank you, Lord. Oh, we glorify you today, God. We thank you for what you're doing for your people. Listen, I got a double take on this one this morning. I'm going to pray us out, and then we're going to the last song of the morning, which that double take is going to be this, You're Still God, by Philippa Hannah. Oh, I love that right there, too. I love that song, too. So listen, let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for all that has been said and done. We thank you that you're God of heaven and God of earth. And Father, without you, we can do nothing. So, Father, we come boldly before the throne of grace to make our petition known unto you this morning. As we depart today, O oh God, bless our going out. Father, bless our coming in. Meet the need in our lives today according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Father, you know what we need. You know what we want. And, Lord, if it come from you, it won't add no sorrow. It will only make us grow stronger in you. Do it today. Father, touch and heal our hearts and minds, that we will be great witnesses unto you, that we will talk of your wondrous works and make known your deeds among the people. Help us to lift you up today, Father, so you can draw. You wish that none should perish, and we're concerned about the unsaved. We're concerned this morning about the lost. And God, we ask that you would move today. Hey, upon us, your people, that we can be a blessing unto others. We ask it this morning in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for doing it through us. 
We thank you that we are those willing vessels. Are oh, we the candles that sit on the hill that can't be hid? Thank you for your many blessings, your miracles. Oh, we thank you for your favor. We give you glory, honor, and praise this morning. And Father, we ask it all again in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another. In the name of Jesus, go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you this day, October the 31st, 2023, in Jesus' name. So at this time, I'm going to say goodbye, but we're doing a double take this morning. You're still God. Lift him up, Sister Jerry. It's already all right. He's still God. Hallelujah. When all foundations have been shaken.
tree of your cross and fix my eyes upon you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we bless your name this morning. There's